Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? 63 people are beheaded in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. The comic strip, The Far Side by Gary Larson debuts, and President Jimmy Carter announces a U.S. boycott of the Olympics in Moscow. This is January 1980, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And Brian brings this ultimate classic album. I'm just enjoying the music, guys. I started to say, and I'm pink. (laughs) It is my privilege and honor to bring the 11th studio album from the supergroup Pink Floyd, The Wall. This is the first song on the second side of the CD, or if you, it's no such thing as second side, but of the album. Uh, There's a double album. And uh, this song, of course, is called Hey You. The Wall was conceived, though, guys, back at the end of the Animals Tour in, 19, in July of 1977. We've talked about it before, but Roger Waters was just disgusted with performing and with music at the end of this concert because essentially he thought that the audience wasn't focused enough. There wasn't an intimate connection. Because they were playing, and this is the last show was played in an Olympic Stadium in oh. Montreal. So they were See, too big, and they were too far away. Yeah, from the stage to really have a, a connection. So they were popping fireworks. They were just not into it at all. So he, and this is on YouTube if you want to listen to it. He ex- stops the show and tells people, "Hey." Stop doing fireworks, and we're trying to do something here. Just get with it. He basically scolds them, saying, get into it. Wow. Roger Waters scolded the audience? (laughs) Imagine that. I know. He has a political opinion? So anyway, this is where the wall was born. And he goes and he goes off, and all the band members at this time are just not getting along well. So he, go, he goes away. David Gilmore's working on his solo project. So's Nick Mason. So's Rick Wright. Well, Roger Waters goes and does two projects. And so in July of 78, they come back together and meet in the south of France. He goes, I've got two good projects here. I want you to look, listen to this one, which is what The Wall was. He, mm. Basically, the, the, the project at the time was called Bricks in the Wall. And another, which was, a, you know, basically it was a second piece of or a project. He said, which one do you guys want to do? So they listened to the, the cuts from, you know, some of the, uh, the tracks from these, this album, and they go, we want this one. So he takes the second one, and he basically creates the pros and cons of Hitchhiking, which was released as a solo album in 84. So it could have gone either way. It was up to the band. And so the band chose rightfully yes. that uh, 
to do this one. But this song, Hey You, is an interesting, it's, it's an unusual song, but it's basically, they said, Roger, what's this song about? He says, well. It's not about worms eating into your brain? <laughs> well, you think it's about somebody's in isolation and, and help me, you know, reaching out for somebody to help me. But Roger Waters explained uh, in a Mojo magazine, uh, December 9, 2009 article, it's about the breakup of my first marriage, which I didn't know, you know, until I did my research. All the misery and pain and being out on the road when the woman declares over the phone that she's fallen in love with somebody else. That's sort of documented in on the album, too, if you remember. Yeah. But this song does not appear in the movie. When, when Roger Waters conceived this project, he said, I, well, there's a three phases of this project. The album, the tour, and the movie. From the get-go. That was his. That was his plan. Huh. So he calls in a guy named Bob Ezrin to help produce the album because the band was not getting along. As a matter of fact, they were. It was so bad that they fired Rick Wright and hired him back as a studio or a basically a, a musician, session musician. Well, it, yeah, into tour. But it was just. It was just bad. And Ezrin helped. You know, helped him get through this this project. But we're, we've just heard. Hey, you. This next one is. Uh, called is there anybody out there and i have such fond memories of this song because i just when, I, when you know when younger days i've listened to this and my kid my oldest daughter now who's at the time of this recording is 31 she would come and sit in my lap and we'd listen to this together she was just totally intrigued with just the sounds and all the you know you hear all these sounds of television things uh, you almost call it quadraphonic to yeah. me that's that's even though it's probably wasn't done in quadraphonic yeah. that that's that whole is there out there. And you just hear that penetrating question, is there, you know, this is a guy in isolation, and you can hear it, you can feel it, you can see it in the movie, but um, she would, Daddy, that scares me. <laughs> kind of scares me just I'm sitting here you. listening to but it. But you hear it build, and you hear yeah. the sound effects, you hear all that, and this, is there anybody out there? So you have this image that this guy is completely isolated and all these sound he's just he's, he's looking for help I tell and, you Brian there are a lot of really interesting emotional songs in rock music there's a lot of positive sounds and things like that this is not no. one of those <laughs> no. this entire album is pretty darn depressing yep. most of Pink Floyd is yeah <laughs> well true. this was this is all about anti-war that's, that, that is the theme. And according to Song Facts, and I didn't know this either, this classical guitar that we're hearing uh, was played by a guy named Joe de Blasi. I thought it was the theme to uh, James, James Bond. James Bond, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. David Gilmore tried to, to perform it, but was never satisfied. Oh, really? So he brought in de Blasi. This is de Blasi playing it. Now, in concert, huh. in concert, Dave Gilmore does this. And the and if you think about it, remember this? You and I went to this in 2010 yeah, yeah. when Roger Waters brought this. You're looking at a wall, a complete wall, nothing. But it, basically what they did was they, when, in the, if you could look at this in the videos, they open up part of it and Gilmore's playing it and you can there's a, a spotlight coming out to the audience. So it just makes him, a silhouette. Yeah, it's, it's really powerful. But it's some of the most beautiful guitar and you have a little a violin playing in the back. Very soothing, but he, but, but De Blasi said 
it was not recorded at the same time as the orchestra. You can hear the orchestra's involvement in, in, in this piece here. And here comes the sound effects again. Yeah. You hear some television programs. Matter of fact, you hear some stuff uh, from Marshall Dillon. You hear some stuff from, from some from Gomer Pyle. That's Sergeant Carter from Gomer Pyle, 36, 24, 36. How can you get any pudding if you don't eat your meat? <laughs> That's right. Now, this is um, now this is a sad song. That, I mean, it is. It's this is a sad song. It is, indeed. The others were not. Yes, to distinguish it from the others. <laughs> but, but he said, you know, it's not all about him. This is not. It's, some of it is. But listen, he's just talking about his, he's trying to reach out to his wife again, and nobody's home. But, I mean, just the... the, the even with the sadness of the lyrics, the music to me is what is captivating. I just want to say, people, you do not understand. Back in the day, we didn't have any iTunes or any Spotify. We had people would go out and buy the albums. They would have these monster Kenwood stereos. We would have listening parties. Literally sat there for two hours listening to this thing. Full blast. A lot of times it was four pairs of speakers. We were in completely surrounded. I mean, we would sit here and listen to this. Just, yeah. you know, and we'd comment about it a little bit like we're doing. This is sort of how we are doing this podcast is how those listening parties were. Yep. Good but point. But listen to this sad line. I'm trying to get through on the telephone to you. I mean, that's just... That's just sad. Yeah. Man. It's got a Beatles-esque feel, too. It feels yeah. like Lonely Hearts Club Band a little bit. This really pretends to the next album. The next, you thought this album's dire. <laughs> that next album, oh my goodness, The Two Sons in the Sunset, talking about nuclear war. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. But Roger Waters, according to Song Facts, told Mojo Magazine in December, his December of 2009 interview, he goes, the Go Hills boots or Sid Barrett. He said the Hendrix poem is sort of a, a gestalt. Uh, Rick had one. Sid had one. Eric Clapton had one. It was sort of a thing at the time. The satin shirt is mine. The wide staring eyes. That's him. But I've got nowhere to fly to. Talk about Roger Waters talking about this. I remember back in 1980, he went song by song. I want to say it was on Westwood One. It was. Redbeard. Yeah. And just every song and went through and just tried what was going on to it. And it really gave me a good fathom on that because this is very similar to Tommy. It was a young kid who lost his father in, into the, in the war mm -hmm. and what it affects that it had on him. Yep. And if anybody has a right to be anti-war... Roger Waters qualifies as well as anybody. He lost his grandfather in World War One, and he lost his father in World War Two. Hmm. I think that gives him pretty good uh, credence to say, "Yep, yeah, war is what is it good for? Absolutely nothing." That's right. So here's the song. Here, this next one's coming up. It's a little short piece. It's called Vera. And you hear the basically in the concert, he's out on a couch watching TV with his. And this is a World War II movie that's yeah, going on in the background. Absolutely. Vera, is the song is about Vera Lynn, and it's a very popular British singer during World War II. Yep. And she hosted a BBC radio program called Sincerely Yours. Here, 
And one of the most popular songs that she sang was called Some Sunny Day was the song. And a lot of the soldiers would always reminisce and think about the good old days and think about Vera Lynn. One thing I do want to say, we're not doing some of the popular songs that were off this album. Another Brick in the Wall, if you don't know it, <laughs> yeah. part two. God that was, the, that yeah, was part the two. number one song on uh, uh, Billboard's Hot 100, yeah. wasn't it? Well, there were three singles released from this album. Mother was another one. No, it was no, not. What? Mother was no. not released as a single? Nope. That's a, a favorite of a lot of people. Favorite of mine. Yeah. But no, there was three singles released. It was Another Brick in the Wall, part two, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Young Lust. Oh, okay. And then the song that we're going to hear coming up is the third. Okay. But yeah, surprising though. You're right, Wayne. To me, Mother is my favorite on the on the album, yeah. but I didn't want to take it out of this. I just wanted to let this flow as it is off the album. Yeah, this is the entire third side, if I recall, on the album. It so, may be. I, yeah. I, I didn't have the album, so. Yeah. Um, it was a dual album, if you didn't know, and you had four yeah. sides. The lyrics were all written, too, on inside the album. So yeah. You get that. This one's called Bring the Boys Back Home, and it's only a minute and a half. And this basically is what the album is about. If you wanted to characterize it into one sentence, bring the boys back home. Let them come home from war. Let's, let them come back home to their family. I just get an image of, if you've ever seen the play Les Miserables, this feels like Les Miserables. Yeah, yeah. But you hear the full orchestra, and it's very powerful. If, you, if you're if you like me, like to crank it up. And if in the 1990 Berlin concert, they hired a Soviet army band oh, to come wow. and play that. And, they were, <laughs> and Roger Waters said their musicianship was awful. Oh, really? But they Oops. did it in the spirit of unity, of course. Right. But listen to all these sound effects. Well, I mean, the movie, the preview, in yeah. the movie, if you see it, there's somebody on the outside knocking yeah. in, and he's got a, a burning cigarette, and he's sitting in a chair just staring yeah. at a TV that has nothing on it. It's just, it just you know, Static. At, the, yeah. at the day, if you were, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, there was nothing on TV. One more little line there. Is anybody out there? Here, here it is, guys. This is the third single released off the album in June of 1980, and it still today is one of the top songs ever in rock and roll just not if you can hear me fantastic this takes me back to senior skip day it was raining we we're hanging out playing cards drinking beer and doing other things and it was raining outside so we couldn't really skip and you know we usually went to a pool or something but the rain coming down and this and it's like oh man well, a lot of people think this song is about drugs, but it's not. This song, uh, Roger Waters was quoted as saying that while many people thought the song was about drugs, it was about what he felt like as a child when he was sick with a fever. And as an adult, he got that feeling again sometimes, entering a state of delirium where he felt detached from reality. And he told that same uh, Mojo Magazine interview in 2009, when I was a child, I had a fever. My hands felt just like two balloons were autobiographical. Mm. He explained, I remember having the flu or something with a temperature of 105. Wow. And my hand, and being delirious, and I looked down, it looked like my hands were two balloons. There he is. Yeah. You hear the, Roger Waters does the actual 
um, the, the, the verses, and this is David Gilmore doing the chorus, or the, you know, they, they basically do a duet here. But David Gilmore, this is one of the very few songs that he actually wrote the music for, obviously, and the, the lyrics were all written by Roger Waters. But this is just so beautiful. This oh, is yeah. my favorite uh, Pink Floyd song. I enjoy this. And I'll tell you, the when it gets to the instrumental part later on, I don't recommend playing songs at maximum volume. But kids, if you are <laughs> going to blow out your speakers, that instrumental section would be a good choice. Well, I've seen Pink Floyd once. I've seen Roger Waters three times. Um, I, I was at I, I saw the Hitchhiker uh, concert, and then I saw Pink Floyd without Roger Waters. And then you and I saw Roger Waters at his The Wall tour. And thank you, but that, unfortunately, that was not with the entire Pink Floyd. Then I recently saw Roger Waters on his most recent tour, and. To me, I was very, very disappointed because they did not play the way David Gilmore played the guitar solo. And I was disappointed. Love that. David Gilmore would say that this album or this song can be divided into two sections, dark and light. Which part is the light? The, the last light, song. No, well, no he, said the light, he said the light are the parts that begin when I was a child, which Gilmore sings. The dark are the hello. Is there anybody in there? Huh. Hmm. Listen, listen to this. Oh, yeah, very symphonic. Now, what do you guys think of the movie The Wall? I like the album better. Hard to take in one dose. Yeah. It is very depressing, but it, I thought it was a very good movie. It's accurate of probably how a rock musician life was. A lot of, a lot of cheating on their wives and then calling back and they're gone and cheating on you and then a lot of groupies and stuff like that and drugs. I'll tell you, the, the, there are pieces there where the animation it's like the early 80s. It's like the heavy metal. The animation is really impressive. Plus, the guy did Monty Python stuff, and it's sort of like, okay, well, we're just going to kick it up a couple. Yeah. You know? Monty Python, but set to 11. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he used a lot of it. Jerry Scarf is who the, the animator was, and he and Roger were really tight. But you're talking about the solo, Bruce? Here we go. Turn up the volume, kids. One of the classic solos of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Roger Waters and Gilmore had an argument over which version of this to use on the album, which I would not know. They had two tracks of this and two versions of this. Gilmore presented, you know, favored one of them. Roger Waters had he favored the other. And they got into a big argument over it. So basically, Bob Ezrin, in the influence that he had, of course, you know, he was... They would have never got it done unless it was for Rob Ezrin. Mm-hmm. So basically they compromised and put parts of the track that Gilmore liked into the parts that Roger Waters liked, and that's what we hear on the album. Oh, okay. So it's like an amalgam of the two. Exactly. What I want to say, this is not somebody just going nuts on the guitar. What I like, David Gilmore says, it's not the music I'm playing, it's the notes I'm not playing. So if you listen, to it, yeah, it flows. I mean, you listen to that drum in the background, it's moving. 
It, everything's moving forward. The the solo's moving forward, but he's not just. Yeah, he's not wailing no. on. He's You're not right. Eddie Van Halen on this thing. He no. is. Oh man, it's great. I I mean, to me. Oh yeah. That's my favorite guitarist out there. I know the concerts, and when I I wanted to go see this concert, I was a senior in high school, and but they only had concerts in L.A. and New York City. That's it. It was so expensive. That's a good point. It's a, way, a good way to to wrap this up. The band did not do well with touring. They they lost over four hundred thousand pounds, and there was nobody. Only one that made any money was Rick Wright because he was a paid musician. <laughs> That was great, Brian. We appreciate it. Now we're going to go on to our entertainment track brought to us by Monkey Wrench Brewing. And no, we're not in Christmas time. Christmas time had passed, but also passing is Jimmy Durante. And you may remember him. He narrated and sang this song. I've got a story In 1969, it was called Gee, Frosty the Snowman. A Christmas tradition. I That's right, yeah. So, well. I, oh, yeah, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen that, you know, but yeah. It, it was a, well, remember the lineup? I mean, you knew it was Christmas season when Charlie Brown Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is coming to town, Frosty the Snowman, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Santa and the Martians. <laughs> Where did you grow up again? California. Figures, right? Also in January 1980, it was the last broadcast of the Rockford Files. Hmm. You guys remember that? Yeah. I, I, Jim Rockford, that was, he had a, a trailer on the beach in yeah. California. I was crying bullcrap on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Canceled after 16 episodes? Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. I think that was the fourth iteration of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Film of January 1980. The 37th Golden Globes had awards. Kramer versus Kramer won. What a great movie. I never saw that. That was a divorce movie, wasn't yeah. it? That was really Dustin Hoffman and the... Uh, Sally Field, wasn't it? No, it was... Uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, oh. yeah. Sally Field did win a for that in the Golden Globes, okay. also along with Dustin Hoffman. She, yeah. They were. It was so well done. Yeah. Another movie that came out called Cardiac Arrest. It was a slasher thriller movie with Max Gale. If you remember him, he was in uh, Barney Miller, sort of like one of those detectives in that. Just tell me what you want with Ali McGraw and Peter Weller. It was a comedy film. And Cobo Blanco was a Charles Bronson film with Jason Robards. And truthfully, I don't remember any of those last three. So, And I, like I said, that's when I was going to movies and everything. Did Jimmy Durante also do the voice of Frosty? No. I don't think He did the narration of the, of the story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. He was a big artist, though. Yeah, yeah. He was a comedian, singer, everything else back in the day. With a big nose. With a large yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he was one of the old school Hollywood that, yeah. that people people were forgetting, unfortunately. What was his big hit, Bruce? Well, apparently this one was his big hit. <laughs> no, he had another hit, though. Do we, know, do we recall what it was? It was like, he had a he had a number of hits, and, and I'm, they're not hitting me. It's hard for me to think they about it. They weren't rock and roll. Them. We didn't figure you guys would recognize it, so we went with this one. All right. Well, now let's go from an entertainment track to our staff picks. And I wonder who could possibly be bringing this. I figured if you're letting Brian bring the 
Pink Floyd song, You Can Let Me Bring Rush. Yes. Speaking of big hits, this is a big hit from Rush. Big hits on the drum. That's true. It hit number 51 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. It's hitting me right here. (laughs) (laughs) This is the leadoff track and the first single from Permanent Waves. I love that transition. Oh, I, I just love everything about this song. Would this be considered your favorite Rush album? Uh, it's hard to tell between Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures. I really like Permanent Waves because it's not played quite as much okay. as Moving Pictures, but I, I love anything Rush. So, and you may this may be familiar to you. We actually did this one before when we did the tribute for Neil Peart. Yeah. Um, but I figured if we're breaking all the rules, I can break that one too. <laughs> breaking the law. Breaking this, the law. This was inspired by the slogan of CFNYFM in Toronto. Um, their slogan was the spirit of radio. And it's really kind of a, uh, it's a little bit of a lament regarding the change of FM radio stations. A lot of them were like freeform. And they were moving to a more commercial format. And uh, CFNYFM was, was sticking with a freeform uh, format. But this is just, it just gets you pumping. It's got everything in the Rush uh, in the Rush pantheon that you would expect. You know, you've got Alec Lifeson with the riffs. You've got that solid bass coming out from uh, from from Getty Lee and of course the drumming of Neil Peart was just unmatched and as you said with the the, uh, the guitar solo with David Gilmore mm-hmm. on hey or comfortably numb this would also qualify to kids turn it up crank it up the other thing about this one is this Getty Lee is in a more accessible range yeah. a lot of his early stuff he's you know got the really I notes. This one is a little bit more more singable. This is before they added synthesizers and stuff, correct? Oh no, it's got synthesizers oh, okay. in it. It's not as heavy on the okay. synthesizers as it would be when they moved into moving pictures and grace under pressure and, and okay. others like that. Yeah, you can hear the you can hear the the, the synthesizers in there. Yeah. They're just like single notes. They're right, not. They're right. not like playing. More, more understated. Yeah. I just remember listening to this, going to uh, college. Ken Bennett was driving, and he would. He's a tall guy. He had a little car. He would drive with his knees, and he was just doing the drums on the <laughs> dashboard. Oh, I had drumsticks in my car and play on the on the <laughs> steering wheel and drive with my knees. Exactly. Yeah. That's oh what he, that's wow. What I do. I do. I must say. I. I, I bet I would place high in an air drum competition for Neil Peart. Oh, yeah. And I love the, the hi-hat work. You can, if you can hear those hi-hats going. Here's another cool transition. Oh, love it. Love it. This almost sounds like big band, the way it just yeah changes to that. Well, speaking of changes, you're getting one right here where they go to a reggae feel. And this was one of the first reggae kind of feels that they had. And they would repeat that in a few other songs that they had, but you really get it here. In the crowd. Yeah. Well, and the inspiration of this is Simon and Garfunkel. Right here. 
you know, I still have fond memories of their concerts when they go concert halls. The yes. lights go out on the show. They would light up the entire <laughs> yeah. concert and everybody oh. just screams. It's oh, great. yeah. And you can let that just kind of hang for a while. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and here's Getty Lee just, just jamming on that bass. Fantastic. Oh, man. Favorite group. Yes, definitely. Download this. The entire album is great. Well, the second half is the concept part of the album. Yeah, well, this has got natural science is the concept piece, but it's a little less concepty than Hemispheres, for example. Awesome ending there, man. Okay, oh. we're going to move on to Rob All with right. his staff pick. Yep, so um, I covered this group in our first ever episode of What the Riff. This artist, it is... The Alan Parsons Project. And may we remind our listeners that Alan Parsons was the producer of Dark Side of the Moon of Pink Floyd. Yes. I think Pink Floyd sounds a lot like Alan Parsons. You can hear his influence. Absolutely. I heard it in Comfortably Numb. I didn't get a chance to bring it up. But okay. This is from their fourth studio album called Eve. The name of this song is Damned If I Do. Obviously, he was hang, having an argument with his wife or something, because damn if I do, damn if I don't. But I love you. <laughs> I think the proper answer is yes, dear. Yes. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> this album was actually, I read this on Wikipedia. The name of the album is Eve. And the focus is on the strength and characteristics of women and the problems they face in the world of men. And it was just, that was kind of the whole slant of the album. Here's, here's the name. Here's the name. That's a nice way to say that. Yeah. There you go. I just love all the different things going on. It's like he's got... One synthesizer doing this and one over here doing that. And it's just oh, yeah. very well constructed music. He's such a talented uh, producer and writer. He's an English audio engineer, songwriter, musician, and record producer. And he was involved in several notable albums. Like you said, Brian, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Who, who, who else? I would assume one of the Beatles. The Beatles, Abbey Road, and yeah. Let It Be. And then Ambrosia. I remember that. From 1975. He, Alan Parsons also does the soundtrack to Lady Hawk, which if you haven't seen the movie Lady Hawk, that's a fun one to see. It's a great movie. That would be cool. Listen to this. I mean, you bring in that orchestra, the strings... I've seen Alan Parsons twice. A long, long time ago, he played in Kansas, actually, was the warm-up group. And I saw him about a year ago. Really? Um, and I didn't remember how mellow his stuff is, really. It is a pretty mellow, backwards, laid-back concert. Yeah. But, Alan, please, please take care of yourself, because he was... Um, a little hefty, as best I can oh, say. Really? Yeah, it was like, oh, you know, and he is such a great musician. I just, you know, don't want to, you know, there's too many other people dying around. I don't want him to. I know he's, yeah. you know, in his 70s, but, you know, still. Well, he was the singer and um, 
songwriter, and then he had Eric Wolfson was his partner okay. doing the piano. Yeah. And they actually split up in 1990. But Alan Parsons' project released 11 studio albums across 15 years. Yeah. And they had songs like I Wouldn't Want to Be Like You, Games People Play, Time, Serious, and then Eye in the Sky. Don't Answer Me. We've covered a few of these as staff oh, yeah. picks. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I just um, I just appreciate Alan Parsons. The thing about all the wonderful musicians he had or has at his disposal. So uh, well connected. Oh, Again, my gosh, I think yes. if you're a producer, mm-hmm. you just know so many people, oh, and yeah. then you're an audio genius. I mean, the, just listen to all that. I love, I love the strings. I'm a big fan of bringing strings into rock music. Yep. Like, Boston has done a little bit of that in um, ELO. Uh, uh, ELO, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the we just heard. We just heard, yeah, we just heard a great example of that with the Wall. Exactly. Yeah, if you get a chance to go see Alan Parsons, go see it. And it actually is a pretty good date night too. So, oh, I bet know, it, he's. It's not going to blow you away. Alan Parsons has greatest hits, but they've also got instrumental greatest hits, and that's a fun one. Oh, as I bet well. that'd be a good one to to get. All right, well, hope you enjoyed that. Now we're going on to Mr. Rowan. What do you have for us here, Wayne? Oh, we got a little party song going on here. Okay, this is an old rhythm and blues boogie woogie woogie song. Hey. It's by Pat Woo. Travers, guys, and this song is. Boom, boom, out goes the lights. Out go the lights. I'm surprised this song hasn't been canceled yet. Uh, I was going to say, guys, yeah, this is a great party song, but no one would record this song today. (laughs) (laughs) All right, get a load of these lyrics. I just, I thought I'd treat my baby fair. I just found out she don't want me here. If I get her in my side, boom, boom, come on, out go the lights. Nothing like a little spousal abuse there, you know? Nothing at all. (laughs) But he didn't write the song. Fat Travers, once again, another guy I actually was on my bucket list to see along with the Atlanta Rhythm Section, and I happened to see him at one of those festival concerts. Oh, wow. And he had this one. If you remember Snortin' Whiskey and Drinking Cocaine was another one of his songs, and I've covered that one in the past one. Yeah. So, but I got to see him just recently at a festival. It's fun. It's fun rock and roll. He's a lot harder rock than I thought with on his other songs. But when this song came out, this is his final song, and everybody, you know, once again, lighting up the audience, going boom, out boom, go the, out go the yes. lights, you know. But yeah, this song was recorded by Little Walter, and credited to Stan Lewis. Um, this actually, this version actually hit the top twenty. Back in 1980, so. Well, and the the blues. I mean, this is a blues song that yeah. goes back probably to the 40s. I yeah, would imagine. exactly. Well, Little Walters. I I know in the 50s I have some of his albums, but mm-hmm. I do, I don't know specifically if one of those songs are on that album or not. I have to go back and see in my little database of songs on my iPhone. But uh, yeah, this is a great song to in live. Uh, we got the regular edit version here of the. Um, of the single yeah, the studio version yeah studio version but yeah the go, listen to his I mean he's probably 20 or 30 of these out there on the live version it's tons of fun that's some great guitar work yeah. too yeah 
Well, Pat Travers is out of Canada, so I guess a lot of people probably in Canada know about this song a lot more. I like the live version they play on yeah, this song. I do yeah, too. exactly. That's a fun one. Exactly. What's funny is he has a loyal fan base, and they call themselves the Hammerheads. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, top hits of January 1980. Escape, the Pina Colada song, Rupert Holmes. You couldn't get away from that song. Uh. Rock with you, Michael Jackson. Do that to me one more time, Captain Antonio. Sin one, your love, Stevie Wonder, and please don't go, Casey and the Sunshine Band, his non-disco hit, I guess. Yeah, that was his ballad. Yeah. All, All right. right, that was rocking. Oh, talking about disco. I think Brian's bringing come this on, disco hit. Come on now, put those platform shoes on, those bell bottoms, that polyester. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't count this as a disco song. I'd count this as a dance song. Well, we'll talk about that here in just a oh, second. Oh, I danced to this one when I was a senior in high, college, in high school. We're talking about Freshman. ladies' night. We're talking cool in the gang. How many guys, including myself, would always enjoy going to ladies' night? Nobody? Oh. I did not Bueller? make it to the ladies' nights myself. Did you have to paint your toenails and fingernails, Brian? Well, only on a couple of occasions, okay. thank you, yes. But... Oh, you weren't going as a lady. <laughs> I thought you were trying to get free drinks. <laughs> that too. I do have a story on that. So I was down in Panama City uh, partying up, and sure enough, there's a ladies' night going on, and they had those whatever, I don't know, Chippendale guys or someone like that beforehand. So me and my friend, you know, we went to another bar, got toasted, <laughs> decided to crash you know pay our $15 cover charge to go in there and the women looked at us like we were just like trash it was like oh we just saw some guys that you know all buffed and everything else and here are these goofy skinny guys it was like oh Chris Farley ladies night though marked an upswing and cool the gangs sort of waning career at this time yeah Yeah. what other song they followed this one Celebrate. There you go. Celebration. That they, they, they skyrocketed again, because basically, because it was waning because of discos waning out. Yeah. But you'll notice when they come up on the lyrics, it says, "On disco lights, your name will be seen. You can fulfill all your dreams. Party here, party there, everywhere. This is your night, baby. You've got to be there." I guess it's hard to say it's not a disco song if it refers to disco. On disco lights, your name will be seen. You can fulfill all your dreams. Sing it, fellas. Do they still have ladies' nights anywhere? Well, it's funny you ask that, Rob answer your question i don't know but there are some states believe it or not california pennsylvania maryland and wisconsin that banned ladies nights because they thought it was discrimination to men and it is it is discrimination i've got to say though i enjoy cool and gang's version 
I actually enjoyed the cover that John Lovitz did in The Wedding Singer. (laughs) (laughs) But that's one of my all-time favorite Cool in the Gang songs. All right. Well, thank you for that, Brian. And now we're going to go on to our instrumental track. Yeah, Roger Powell's bringing this off the album Air Pocket. And the reason why I brought this is we never get to those beach songs that were happening in the early 60s. And this is sort of a remake. It's called Pipeline 76. And if you hear it, you've probably heard it maybe in several different movies. It's, it's iconic, I think. This is just his version. But we take this time to catch up on what happened in music of January 1980. Paul McCartney is arrested in Tokyo for what? Mario Giovanni? Yeah, his possession. He is in jail for nine days and then deported. I was surprised about that. Hmm. The seventh music awards, Barry Manilow, Donna Summer, the Bee Gees, and Kenny Rogers all win. 175,000 people in Rio de Janeiro see Frank Sinatra sing. I was kind of surprised at that. Wow. Me too. But truthfully, I probably would have gone. I would have loved to see Frank Sinatra. No, he did it his way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's get a load of this group, group of people playing this festival. The Beach Boys, Grateful Dead, and Jefferson Starship do a benefit concert in Oakland Coliseum for the people of Campacho. Well, Brian, you're moving from full-time What the Ripper to special guest. That's right. Yeah. It's a different chapter, folks. I, I have to play now the role of grandfather supporting his grandsons in their activities on Saturday. So it does present a conflict with doing this podcast that I've thoroughly enjoyed for the last four and a half years. And I will I look forward to coming back as a guest. You've got the keys. You can come in anytime. Uh, you I like. appreciate that. But no, it's it's been a blast, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll be back. I said on on occasion, but I won't be able to do it regularly as I've done it the last four and a half years. But thank you all for listening, and to my brothers here for allowing me to be a part of it as well. It's been a pleasure. It has been, Brian, and I. I mean, it's 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 emotional for me too because you know we've been together for almost five years yeah. now doing yeah. this, and. You know, we've been uh, unadulterated on telling each other different things of our family. So we've become our own family here amongst oh, yeah. us. Yeah. So oh, yeah. We're going to miss you. If you remember John Lynch, he's going to come in and, and, and take your spot. I don't know if he's going to And he will build. take it to the next level. John, <laughs> John will definitely take it to the next level. And you guys out there listening, if you ever want to be on and you're in the area, we'd love to have you as a visitor. All right. Well, you've been listening to... January 1980. We're What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Rift?